This is Studio Insights, a Provost Studio podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Studio Insights, a podcast from Provost Studio. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the show. Today, we're diving in and talking about fan engagement and the technology that enables that and makes that happen. And we're thrilled to be joined here on the podcast by Hanan Averbuck. He is the Executive Vice President of the Americas for Prime View Global. Hanan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're welcoming back to the podcast once again, Peter Prevost, the Associate AIA President and Director of Design at Prevost Studio. Peter, welcome back. How you doing, man? Good. Good. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. Thrilled to have everyone here for another episode of the show. If you're watching this or listening to this after the holidays, we hope you enjoyed your holidays as well. Uh, podcasts, they're timeless. But everyone, we want to introduce you a little bit to Hanan and, and just give you a sense of who he is and what he does at PrimeView Global. So uh, Hanan, just give us a little bit of a background into the industries that you work with and, uh, and your role at, uh, at PrimeView. Sure. So I got involved really in PrimeView at the grassroots level. You know, we're known globally over the last 25 years as, you know, being that so many of our founders are really ex-military, ex-Air Force, really strong in the command and control vertical. And when I started at PrimeView back in 11 years ago, almost now, we were really just at its infancy. It's like, who wants to buy big TVs? Great, you're our customer, you know? And that sort of of evolved very quickly uh, into... Burberry's and Chanel's and H&M's and large retailers coming on our side and, you know, falling in love with some of our visual technology. And then slowly but surely we evolved from there into sports bars and to gaming environments and hospitality, real estate as well, some of the large scale projects there too. And over the years, you know, it's sort of, I don't want to use the word pivot because that's such a COVID type of term or Omnicrom, whatever the new terminology now for it is, whatever that means. We're not trying to talk about the marketing of that either, but jokes aside, it's sort of evolved for us. We're getting that out. I I had to get it out there, but it really evolved as like a natural progression, meaning we were sort of sought out in certain broadcast production environments, and we sort of ran with that. So what started off for us as like a nice LinkedIn conversation with some guy in Connecticut evolved into a hundred plus million dollar broadcast facility for ESPN, which evolved into ABC and Tribune, Hearst, Sinclair, and all these large um, scale studios. So broadcast for us sort of evolved. And as broadcast went from having two, three monitors on a set to 30 to 60, it really took its nice little spin. And today that sort of propelled us. And again, I don't want to use the word pivot, but it propelled us also to grow another market vertical, which became large sports venues and sports facilities and a big part of that obviously is the production as well as how it gets out there, which is fan engagement, also known as inside the bowl. So we've really grown as a company into a lot of different verticals from what we've done near the Green Bay Packers area in Green Bay, Wisconsin, some of the larger venues to some smaller ones and a lot of collegiate sports, I would say in the last two, three years, despite you know what you see about fans not coming, recruiting is a big part of this thing. So not just fan engagement, but these huge recruiting lounges so they could get top tier talent. And the best way to do that is these large LED spectaculars that are really combined cohesively with a branded environment, you know, where designs really come into play. 
Peter, you've kind of had a, a front row seat to see what this looks like from from your perspective in terms of how LED has evolved from, like Hanan was saying, you know, from big TVs to okay, now this is this is uh, setting the scene. This, you know, we now have fifty of these across the broadcast studio. How has that LED evolution occurred in your mind, just just from your perspective, seeing these studios and working on these projects? Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's interesting about Hanan and um, and our work with them is that, you know, we, we've worked with them on two sides of our project types here. You know, we've worked with them on projects like the Minnesota Vikings, right, where is a clearly a broadcast project. But then we also worked on a project or projects like uh, Atlas Headquarters, which is for us, you know, branded environment first, but, you know, corporate headquarters, which is a very big, at least for us, opportunity, right? But what, what makes, I think, what makes Hanan and his company uh, special in a way is that, you know, yes, they, they are doing probably a large, large, large portion of their business in LED display technology, but they also have, you know, monitor display technology as well, which having a company and a partner that can play in both of those worlds in both, you know, broadcast and branded environments is, is pretty special. I, I do think that it's very important to have, uh, you know, a technology partner and, you know, obviously a designer that understands that uh, it's not just a TV or a monitor on the wall, right? And so in, in the broadcast world, uh, we like to think that technology, again, it's not about a monitor. It's about a tool that helps the clients communicate their content and their messaging, right? So it really becomes this tool for communication. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Most importantly, at least from what we see, is how do you get stuff in it, right? And then as a presenter or as a client, how do you produce, what's that process of producing the content in it that makes it an immersive thing? And, you know, aside from just the product side of things, right, the the two different type of products I mentioned, what what one of Hanan's superpowers are, and he has many, but don't tell him that, you know, he has the ability to really talk about how to connect and how to integrate their technology into whatever the client has relative to control, which is very, you know, unique in a way, right? So again, this is a theme that that you'll find, right, in our, uh, Tyler, in our podcast is that I try to, we try to work with partners that that just don't wear one hat. So yes, we can get the technology from PrimeView and Hanan, but like we bring on a guy like Hanan that can talk to a client, not in a like a talking down pejorative way, right? But to try to educate the client so that they understand that, okay, these are the things that you need to know once we install it and how you operate it and how you work it. And by the way, it's going to be as uh, easy as it possibly can with 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 the experience that we're going to put together for you. That was a very long winded answer, but I think it gave you some. So, I think I think it was a good answer, and I think that education piece is is a really interesting aspect. And, and Hanan, I'm curious from your perspective, just what sorts of frequently asked questions do you get from? clients or potential clients when it comes to what you can do and the capabilities that LED has these days? So it's interesting. I want to say three, four, five years ago, it was, you know, Hanan, we're looking to do this. What's your price? Now it's Hanan, I need your help to try to activate the space. Help me Mm. put this space to come alive. You've done enough of these projects before. 
this is a dark area for us. And in, in some cases, literally, like I'm working with a developer right now who has a property that literally wants to make it come alive. And I look at him and I'm like, you have no windows. This space is awful. Like, <laughs> I hate to tell you, it's very difficult. However, if we were to take about 60 ceiling tiles off the ceiling and we make it digital, not only will you save money on lighting fixtures and other elements that you, you're going to spend a, a ton of money on doing, but we can make this space feel like nature with the right content. And it's interesting because it's forced us to also go into adding more things in our tool belt. So where I want to say three, four years ago, it was all about hardware. And then we developed and evolved and created our entire pro services team that do these things. And we had to develop then a technical team that repairs these things stateside too, not just overseas and in Israel and China, whatever it may be in Korea, but here in the US, US marketplace. But we had to create other dimensions of ourselves that we never thought of, like the content creation side. We now have developed an internal team that does for PrimeView content. So now when we built out a space uh, in South Florida, a multi-million dollar facility where if you're doing a studio, you can come and see it. And then I also have the relevant content behind that. And then we have a sports bar area now with relevant stock tickers, sports book type of experience with a fully stocked bar because I want a casino to come in and say, I want a branded environment from physical and digital. What does that look like? And then there's the people that say, great, I want to see it. But I, my boss, he doesn't feel comfortable traveling for other purposes. So we had to integrate with a multitude of manufacturers, you know, high end broadcast technology that can stream live inside of our experience centers so that anybody could get that same experience. And I think that's where this whole hybrid world comes into play. Because hybrid doesn't just mean designing for a hybrid environment. Hybrid means designing for fan engagements for people that are not in, in the stands and somehow incorporating it into the physical space too. So we have to all adopt, not just from the technology standpoint, not just the design standpoint, but how we execute and how we demonstrate to clients what it will look and feel like. Not just, this is what we did somewhere else. We could do it in the blue color for you instead of red. No one wants to hear that, you know? Hmm. So hybrid is, is the cool vibe, I think, today that if you embrace it correctly, not only is there so much money to be made, but you can really help spaces be more functional. Like today I was watching on um, CNBC Squawk Box at the gym. They were, they were talking about Jeffrey's Bank and the CEO of Jeffrey's Bank, one of the large investment banks, said, you know, guys, unlike all of our competitors – that are talking about remote or not remote, you guys can want to work remote, work remote. Like he wasn't making a hard stance of saying, you have to come back. And I think that is also what I go to, to bat for with my clients and my partners, like, you know, like Peter, is let's look at this space and let's make it awesome. And how do you make it awesome? Is think about the guy that's there and then also think about that guy who's digitally engaged virtually in that environment. So I think... If you tap into that creative side inside of you, leverage your experience for sure. But think about the guy on the other side, what he wants to experience, you could crush it. You know, it's interesting. You bring up a good point in terms of this dual nature of experiences being physical and virtual. Like 20 years ago, and I, I actually just wrote about this, this whole phenomenon thing. Like, so 20 years ago, when I did, you know, CNN headquarters in New York, right? It was broadcast. 
right? It was big. It was bold. It was a commercial broadcast station, right? But then at the same time, we were doing like branded environments, right? Interiors, cool interiors, like, and they were separate. Like there was a big old fat line between them and they never really crossed over. What's really interesting today, and I, again, like I would not have anticipated it, would be this like fusion between the two, right? So as an example, some of these um, broadcast, sports broadcast headquarters that we're working on for the for teams, right? They're incorporating the physical. It's a, it's a, it's a broadcast studio, but they're incorporating the physical meaning they're in incorporating like tour routes. And when guests come, they want to make it an experience. So they're having the, the fans become part of that broadcast space, right? Which is super cool. So broadcast is kind of pulling in the physical in that world. But then what's happening on the physical side and a branded environment side, they're, they're basically pulling in the, the, the virtual, right? So if it's uh, actually good example, there's a client of ours up in Boston and they make software. Okay. And so they have a headquarters that has like a physical gallery of uh, all of the products that they, um, uh, that they work, all the products and all the brands that they work with. But what's interesting is, so that originally was uh, designed and built as a physical customer experience center, right? Where if you're the client, you go there, you see what they do, blah, blah, blah. But in the past 18 months, it's now become as more of a virtual experience. So now what they have, like literally, which is really cool. So they have like, everything's on Zoom, okay? And they basically have a presenter that goes from area to area to area to area and engages their clients and their potential customers through Zoom virtually. And so in that way, these customer experience centers that historically have been physical how that are now becoming virtual and the person through through the camera and in a way the broadcast has become just as part of the, the experience as the physical, which is really cool. So anyway, I think what's kind of interesting about my experience, what's interesting about Hanan's experience is that like we have this like we can come both from the broadcast side, so we know what looks good on camera and how to engage audiences through the lens, but then we also understand the, the physical nature of what a, what a space needs to be and how you make something that has a, a strong visual impact in, you know, in, in reality. That's a, that's a really good way of thinking about it. I don't know. I, th I think that's a really interesting point. And I'm curious, Hanan, where you've seen maybe the most growth in recent months and years in terms of the types of industries that you're working with, whether it's corporate, whether it's sports teams, whether it's houses of worship, I don't know. Uh, where have you seen lots of, uh, I don't know, maybe more growth than normal? Yeah, so I would say three, four years ago, we were experiencing a ton of growth in the house of worship side. I think when COVID happened, people sort of hit the brakes a little bit and press pause just because people weren't going to church the same way. So they didn't invest into some of these digital architectures so to speak, but they invested into streaming technology so that people could be at home and the pastor can still give over his lectures and whatnot. I think pro sports has its challenges. I have certain projects that were supposed to happen in 2020. They're being postponed to 2022 or 2023 so they could recover 50 to 100 million in, in revenue per year and then they could spend the big number they wanted to. And I think a lot of that has to do with their sponsors were in the same boat, that they're, they're big key sponsors to make that 
Bacardi, Lounge, whatever, maybe your Doers or Office Depot, they also had their own struggles. So that sponsorship dollars moved on. Um, collegiate, collegiate sports is definitely a big market of growth. Esports is an interesting market, uh, to say the least. I think the hybrid model of gaming and casinos, if they play correctly with esports, it could be successful. Um, I'm seeing in the Midwest a very interesting hybrid model there where esports is going inside malls into retail locations. So in certain underutilized retail locations, they were grabbing that. Similar to the way you saw like shared workspaces environments that were taking empty retail, sort of the same thing. The interesting place that I'm seeing a lot of opportunity for right now is actually real estate, real estate sales offices. I think, yeah, housing is really strong right now and technology is a big part of that. And that's a great space where a branded environment and a digital environment can really mix well. And if you think about the person that's in the sales office, the person that may be virtual, right? Integrating Zoom and Logitech cameras and whatnot, that's a big part of it. But these environments are completely immersive. I mean, I'm doing a project right now. I mean, almost seven figures of display technology in a sales office, let alone the actual condo tower. And it's something that's almost finished now by Art Basel. It's going live in about a week or so before Christmas. And you're talking about huge curved screens that have a sales model, you know, smack in the middle, like life-size, 11 feet tall. And the interesting thing is not the technology itself. It's not just the brand environment. It's the, what they like to call these anamorphic content pieces where it looks like the helicopter is coming at you. I mean, crazy stuff, like Times Square-like experiences, but inside a branded environment. I think you're gonna see a lot more of that. I know airlines are starting to budget for these things for airports. It's a big piece of what they're doing. I have several corporate interiors that are like, where can I put this? Like, it's not like I wanna do something cool. It's like, I wanna do that, how do we fit it in? Hmm. Because people want, you know, that waterfall experience in Salesforce, for example, right? I'm doing several hotels that are like, I want that but I don't want to spend a million dollars. Show me how to do that. And we're doing those, several of them. It's also like the brand environment, like an office um, office building. I have several office buildings that are looking at these things and saying like, these were cool in the 90s. How do we put lipstick on that pig with digital? I mean, that's where Peter comes in. <laughs> Give me the lipstick. And I'm not talking about eating pig. I just want to be clear. That wasn't my reference point there. You know, I know you eat strictly oh, kosher, you know? It was all about lipstick. I get it. <laughs> so one of the things, and I know we talked a lot about hybrid environments, but one of the things that I've had conversations with people in sports about recently is that the at-home viewing experience has become so good that sometimes it's hard to entice people to actually come into the stadium and they've been rethinking how to reshape that experience. And I think maybe it's a similar conversation to what's going on with the office setting, right? Is that people become really comfortable and realize like, hey, there are some advantages to working from home. And so now employers are thinking, okay, what sort of experience can I create in the office that actually makes people want to be here, right? Is that Has that been your experience as well, just in talking to people across these different industries that they're really trying to craft and create an experience that is memorable, that's unforgettable, that w- makes people want to come back? Yes. I think that, I think the benefit of this is that now I think employers have to be more intentional with the spaces that they create at the office and uh, realize that it's not just about a cubicle. 
right? But it's about creating places that people want to spend eight hours a day or sometimes even more, 10 hours in. And so I think that part of it is is actually a positive thing. I mean, obviously, the, the real estate market as a result have, you know, uh, it's taken, taken some bumps. But I, I think ultimately, it's going to be a good thing. I mean, we've, we've found that clients that, that we've had are coming back and saying, hey, we, we want to, um, you know, that one idea that we were talking about that was a little wacky or that was a little aggressive for us 36 months ago. I think it makes sense that we readdress it because we really start to need to really need to start to invest in our, our employees and our space. Yeah, so my response to that would be two-pronged. I think from a residential perspective, which is an interesting trend I'm seeing lately, is developers are constantly trying to find ways how to create newer amenities that say, buy here, this is the lifestyle you want. Now, that used to be when you had three bedrooms, now people want two bedrooms and an office because of you know working remote. But in the world of real estate, people are looking at this and saying, wait, movie theaters, maybe people that don't feel so comfortable, what if I put a screening room, right? So I have a designer I'm working with that for related properties in New York City, put a really, really expensive screening room rooftop, or, you know, in, inside the, the basement, in cellar, basically, really nicely done. And then the other extreme I'm seeing in the West Coast, as well as, as also in the Southeast and South Florida, is developers are saying, rooftop, killer outdoor display. It's going to be like, sit outside with bean bags, and that's an experience. So that's one dimension I'm seeing about creativity for adapting, but creating a nice environment for people to hang out and it creates value for everybody. Um, the extreme of the office place, it's very interesting because all the information I'm hearing is forget about the temporary for a second, okay? This turbulent time, the last two years, whatever it is. The next few years is gonna be a very simple model. It's gonna be a hybrid. And the hybrid model, the challenge you have and the challenge you have about for employee retention is why would someone come to work, right? I have my Logitech camera at home. I have my Elgato light ring. My lighting is great in my room. I got my acoustics. I got my, my slippers and my Lululemon yoga pants, whatever it may be. Like, I like bringing them home, right? And I'm not referring to spandex, just to be clear there. You know, but you get the point. You have yellow Lululemons on right now? I do not, but I have a version of that. It's just not 120 okay. bucks. It's called Public Rec. Great brand, by the way, side point. I'm not an early investor. Um, but um, the the workplace, I believe, based on what I'm seeing with clients, and we're developing a whole new line of product to address this, is the hybrid workplace, which says the following. Two days a week, you're probably going to come to work. So then the question is, what is the driver to come to the office? And the answer has to be an experience like no other. It's got to be... I can come to the office and have a video conferencing experience with six people, but yet the other six people I see perfectly too. So it's furniture, it's ergonomics, it's the branding of the space so that the people that are virtually on that camera are looking at your branded environment behind you and say, oh my gosh, that's such a cool space. I can't wait to come to the office next. And that's that lobby experience too. It's why you activate the space. It's why people are putting locker rooms and putting Pelotons that cost a lot of money to these companies because it's not just about attracting the gym head. It's attracting the guy to say, you know what? 
I'll come to the office at seven and work out before I come. And then I'll stay till four or five o'clock. I want to go to the office now. It looks so cool. Did you see the new amenity space they built that? Like, or these little, um, I don't want to use the word telephone booths because I think that concept was ridiculous before it started. But I think the concept of putting these little areas where people could just collaborate in a real workplace environment in a comfortable setting. And okay, I have a huge display behind me. We could wirelessly share information and we could talk product. We could talk about execution. And I could bring a client, not in a boardroom environment. I could bring a client there and talk about our newest products in a very casual setting with nice ambient light and some nice bamboo growing in the background. Like it's a different vibe. And I think that is the trick or the trap for employers to get employees to want to come back to the office. It's not, I told you you have to come to the office four days a week. Why are you not here? Those days are over. It's illegal even to a certain extent to do that now. You know, they're going to get sued. You have to find a reason when people want to come to work. And it's like anything else. I mean, what was the, uh, uh, it was an episode of Million Dollar Listings recently. And um, they were trying to find a way to get like one of these annoying kids out of the picture so that this, the broker can sell the house. And these kids would put up signs like there's termites here. You don't want to come to this house, you know, like, and the broker was like losing his head. And, and the wife says to him, like, what do you, why are you so stressed out? He goes, I'm trying to sell this house. And these kids are sabotaging my sales effort. They put in these weird signs, like the house is on fire, like just completely killing sales. So his wife says to him, if you want to get your kids to do something, what do you do? You got to pump them up, feel excited. And I think that's exactly it. He ultimately got these kids excited and stopped putting up these dumb signs about their new house and new lifestyle. And that's what helped these kids get out of the way and he was able to sell the house. I think it's the same thing in workplace technology. We have to pump up our employees to want to come to the office. We have to make it exciting for them. Otherwise, they're not coming or they'll find a new employer. So before we uh, before we hang up for this episode, uh, one of the things that we wanted to ask Hanan is is what types of technology do you see coming next? Like, what's the next level of fan engagement? Uh, if you look out, you know, five ten years from now, do you see AR, VR, things like that um, becoming a larger and larger piece? And what what role can uh, can a company like PrimeView play in that? You know, it's interesting. I um, I grew up with one of the um, the founders of uh, Magic Leap, who has this virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality goggles, right? And it's interesting, they first try to go after the consumer market and they realize the hardware, the software, the content just wasn't there. And now fast forward, you know, four years later, they spent like $2 billion. They just raised like another half a billion dollars, okay, of investor money. I think now we're getting to this world where everything's about what they started with, which is called the metaverse, where everything is in a digital platform, right? I mean, the fact that Facebook changed their name to Metaverse, I assume it's just because they don't want to get sued. I, I don't know what their logic was there. It's just weird to me. But I think if you look at the grand scheme of things, AR, VR, all these things, these mixed realities are not far away from becoming not, I don't want to use the word commercialized, but I want to use the word ready, ready for the public. They're a few years out. Right now, it's a gimmicky thing still. I mean, I still see real estate sales offices are using these things. It's cool. I still get nauseous when I put any things on. Not that I want to have anyone else's eyes or goggles touching my face anyways. That's just weird to deal with. Um, they have these like these little like sleeves that look like a diaper that you put on. It's like the funniest thing in the world. I just I don't want to do that. It's weird. But I do believe that those technologies will be integrated in the, just in, in the near future when I say like three to five years. But the now trend is, X, is how to integrate for XR virtual stages with perfection. And it's interesting. I'm seeing universities, universities, we're doing one right now, actually in uh, Georgia. 
that universities have raised the funds through different alumni and whatnot to create these XR virtual stages that are going to be used for talent, for media production. They're going to rent it out. So revenue generating a piece for them, right? Almost like a studio renting things out. But not only that, their students in their media department get to really learn this technology and experience the same things that they did when they filmed The Mandalorian, which is crazy. So I think as costs on these big LED walls continue to come down, you're going to see a higher adoption than anyone ever imagined uh, for spaces where AR, VR, maybe it's not ready, but XR stages and the virtual stages will come front and center. And that could be a branded environment for an insurance company like Atlas, where the CEO says, you know what, I want to do that. I think our employees would love that too, because it's more cost effective now. And these things can be a branded environment, digital and physical together. So I foresee that the next two years, more of these AR VRs will evolve into becoming market ready, but really it's the virtual stages, the XR stages that's gonna really continue to blossom. The only challenge with that is rental and staging companies have taken a big hit the last few years. So they, I don't use the word dump inventory, but they have a lot of inventory that's been sitting in shelves that are not utilized and it may not be the same quality that people may expect as a new project. That's the only challenge I would think, I would, I would caveat, I would say. Yeah, I, I would add on to that. Everything you said, I think is right. I think the, one of the challenges that we're finding is even if, you know, the clients that we have, have the funds for the first expense um, for the first cost of investment for the technology, it's the content development and the all of that backup house workflow that is going to keep the XR stage relevant. Like that's, for me, that's the, I mean, even sports, right? Even professional sports, like I, when we've got a couple, well, we've got one project now, two projects now that are talking about it, right? But it's not, and these brands can afford it, it's not actually the investment necessarily that scares them. It's the, okay, we got this thing. Now what do we do day two, right? All right, Peter, all right, and you and your crew, we can we hire you guys to develop content for it, which is cool. But then how do we develop a workflow around that that is sustainable to create engaging content? And I think actually, Hanan, I think that you're right in terms of XR being kind of the next nearest thing. But I think that as soon as somebody figures out, and there's there's companies that are doing it, that, that can create a workflow that makes it easier, easy, easy, uh, not even easier for clients to create new content, it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, and, and to that, I, you know, I just wanna add one thing to that. I would tell you, I'm working with a, a studio recently, it's doing like a small refresh. And I just to, you know, nail down what you were saying to really hit it through. I think they wanted for argument sake something that was 30 feet wide. Yeah. And six feet tall. And I'm like, no problem. We could do that. But let me ask you a question. Who's the guy in the background pressing the buttons on the content to press play? What do they say? Like, what do they say? He's like, oh, we can introduce you to him. Okay. <laughs> so I go meet this guy. The guy literally has his ARIP card ready. Like he's ready Not to retire. You know what I mean? And there's no way that he has the skill set to drive the system. And he looks at me, he goes, so what do you think about, you know, Bob and, and, and Ryan over there? I'm like, I'm like, I think they're really, really nice. I'm like, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there's an opportunity there, you know, to uh, babysit for my kids maybe, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't think he's 
the guy who can drive this new refresh. And we were having an honest conversation. He goes, what do you, what do you recommend? I'm like, well, listen, if you drop it to 26 feet, right, then we could be at a more standard aspect ratio, standard resolution, and you could literally play the same garbage you're playing now, but on the new shiny object. And he goes, yeah. why would we do that? The creative services guys want to fill up the whole space. I'm like, creative services have no idea what the cost is to drive this thing on a custom level, A, yeah. and they don't know your talent pool to drive it. So there is a gap there. And ultimately we were able to guide him and, and show him that he could keep his existing talent pool with existing content, press play, blah, blah. And it's a really nice revamped version, clean version. And that is the key challenge on a lot of these upgrades. It's like exactly what you were saying, Peter, is that like people don't understand that is if you want to deploy some of these technologies, you need not necessarily an army, but you need some pretty smart people to, to understand how to press play even, really. You know? I mean, I mean, I like to think it's it's the ideas that generate the cool creative. But I think at this point, it's, I mean, you need to know just how big the damn thing needs to be relative to pixel size, right? Let alone the technology. And I think what you're experiencing, Hanan, is the same thing that we're experiencing where, like, if I, if I, well, it doesn't happen anymore, but, like, we'll go deliver a project and we go to do the, I don't know, rehearsals, right? And the set is black. I mean, the technology, there's no content in the technology. And so I think we've, we've brought in, you know, partners, creative partners for us, for clients to help them create that content, right? Because I would rather, and it's not even, you know, we're not really even making money on it. It's, it's a service to the client because I know at the end of the day, that's going to be a pain point that they're going to have to address. I mean, I think it's the same thing why, Prime View, where you just mentioned that you guys in certain instances are now developing content for the technology. And I, I don't mean to throw like clients under the bus because every it's all about education, right? And so I, I think, you know, to tie what I think one of the superpowers that you have as well as me is that at the end of the day, like, yes, we all have to like create a sale, right? But it's not about that. It's really about like helping the client think through beyond what you're going to do for them and make sure that they understand that what they're going to need in the future. And I, I think that's what you're really good at. Um, we try to do, I try to do my best to try to educate the client on what they need and what they don't need, whether it's, whether it's us that's providing it or not. And I think, again, that that's one of the strong, I think Tyler, that's one of the strengths that you probably are getting the sense of uh, now this is the sixth podcast that we've had. Like that's, those are the kinds of clients or those are the kinds of vendors or these are the kind, kind of um, partners that, that I want to continue to work with on our projects. So, Well, this has been an awesome conversation and I'm sure it could go twice as long as it has already. But, uh, but guys, it, th th this has been a lot of fun. Hanan Eberbach, uh, Executive Vice President of the Americas for Prime View Global. Hanan, thank you so much for joining us here on, uh, on this episode of Studio Insights and, and sharing your expertise. This has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you so much as well. I really always enjoy working with Peter um, and uh, really cool meeting you. And uh, if anyone needs to get in touch with me, easiest way is get LinkedIn, not email, not phone. Trust me, LinkedIn's the best way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hit him up on LinkedIn. Peter, another great episode. Thank you again for joining me, man. Hey, guys.
Rock on. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Studio Insights, a podcast from Provost Studio. Stay tuned for more episodes. We'll have more interesting conversations like this one uh, coming up in future episodes of the show. But for my guests today, Hanan and Peter, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.